Welcome to the Growth Hacking Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ivan Palomino. This podcast is about thought-provoking ideas to scale up and growth hack performing and human-centric work cultures. My guests are experts on mindsets, skills, and science behind work cultures. I hope you enjoy this episode. Today, I wanted to have a discussion uh, about a topic that remains really very close to me, and it is about leading in crisis with resilience and clarity. I got impressed like three weeks ago, I had the opportunity to see, watch uh, a TED talk that, that has been given by my guest today, Imad El Abdallah. Um, and the reason why it made me think a little bit more is because I felt close to his journey and I felt close to, to the fact that resilience and strength can be, can be found in different parts of your life, your personal life, as well than in your business life. Let me tell you more about Imad. Imad is an expert on change leadership. He has been working in two areas that are a little bit more into the combination of science and blending storytelling. Uh, and he's an expert on delivering transformative global sessions on self-leadership and resilience. Uh, he has been a founder. He has been working in technology. Uh, he has been recognized as an EdTech uh, founder, uh, working on leadership skills building for kids, students. He has been honored in with Sweden Royal Entrepreneurial Award. He is also the founder of hero to be where he has empowered more than 17,000, that's a big number of people from diverse background with tailored mental health tools, earning the UN Global Innovation Award 2020. Getting back to the point, the initial point about his head talk, his tech talk, and I really recommend to watch it, is about vulnerability as a key to confidence and this, his story of resilience. Imad, welcome today. Because I'm I'm really, really happy because I, as I mentioned to you in a personal level, I, I was really touched by the messages that you are that you pass on by this combination of personal story with your business background that has made you like an expert on in terms of helping leaders to build resilience. Imad, I want to shoot directly to the uh to to the core of the topic. Yeah. Exactly. Which is about having the same understanding. Let's put ourselves in the at the same level of understandings. Mm -hmm. Do leaders have the same understanding between what is a real crisis versus you know the standard competitive pressure that we may have in life or at work? What is your take on that? My take on that is um, like a situation of crisis. It's where the whole organization is being threatened. The whole organism that you're leading is being threatened. And when we're talking about day-to-day -day stresses, or when we're talking about like uh, uh, leaders with rivality, the ones who try to, to compete with other leaders, um, this is, sometimes they put themselves in a situation that they think it's a crisis, but it's not a crisis. Crisis is 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 when something is happening to tackle the like the backbone of your organization, like the strategic points over there, and this is when you can identify as as crisis. 
And like working with leaders nowadays, I really notice how threatened sometimes they feel when there's some change in the market and when there's another product is going up better than their product. Uh, they, they they act from a place of fear and that's what makes them make mistakes. So um, I really have an advice for, for more leaders like when any crisis is, is happening around you or any uh, crisis is just a, a fast change. That's what it is. Like mm. we're going through crisis all the time or we're going through change all the time. But when it's happened at a fast pace, we call it a crisis. So my advice to leaders nowadays is like, if you're going through fast pace of, 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 of change, which will happen sometimes on your journey, it's very important to look back and think strategically, where is the danger and what is it threatening in my the backbone of my organization? This way you will be able to establish a difference between crisis and just a challenge. Mm. Uh, but can we say like, if I think about my early days, 25 years ago when I started working and, and today, things are going quicker or that's the feeling that uh, that we have. Technology is, is going to, we are scared that it's going to replace us. We are afraid because any company can come up with a disruptive idea and replace the core of the business that I'm, I'm working in calmly today. So do we, can we say that today the feeling of crisis is, is stronger because it's changing more rapidly than before? Definitely. What's happening nowadays is actually changes on the global aspect with multiple layers. This is also like multidisciplinary types of change. We have uh, the financial cycle closing, which is like the financial crisis. We have uh, wars erupting around the world in, in, in multiple areas, uh, which are affecting the, the global uh, supply chains as well. And uh, at the same time, you have the post uh, precautions of COVID, uh, where where the world closed down for for almost a year, so all these repercussions happening at the same time, and also the change in political um, environment around the world. You have like now it's it's you can notice like the far right is rising all around the world in in, in all um, um, in all political environments, which is like a shift between the past ten years. So everything is happening like. Uh, simultaneously at the same time uh, and also like the rising of technology like AI um, uh, is 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 absolutely disrupting every uh, single uh, every single part of, of, of our of our life and dealing with all these challenges at the same time uh, it's definitely making people uh, especially like leaders uh, act, from places of fear, and that's completely understandable. What what matters is that when 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 a, an earthquake is happening, for example, uh, or when um, a volcano is erupting, there there would be casualties, and um, it's okay for a leader to feel that like we might be one of these casualties, like not to act from a place of fear that like I want to be just the only survivor numbers say that there will be casualties the issue is like how can we make the best out of the situation right now and how can we ride um the waves that are coming like uh how can we make it the best how, how can we make uh this group 
survive and especially uh this is the difference between between uh leaders who focus only on winning and leaders who focus on community and your role as a leader at times of crisis is not necessarily to save uh, uh, the product that you have it's to take care of the community because if you take care of the community the community will take care of you <laughs> i like that you made me think because you have mentioned the psychological dimensions of, of what happens um, um, during a moment of, of crisis. And very often, um, because of the work we do, we go into autopilot. That means that we uh, our brain is going to be more sensitive to emotional stimuli. Um, and well, autopilot, uh, if, biologically was made in order to protect us because then we can derive patterns and quickly take a, a reaction mm. but autopilot also prevent us to identify to be rational about our emotional choice right um so uh, according to what you have researched on the, and on the way you are supporting leaders um to mm. build this uh, capacity to deal with uh, with crisis What have you spotted as psychological reactions uh, in team leaders? And even, why not, uh, in team contributors when there is a crisis? Is there any major difference between this psychological aspect or reactions between leaders versus team contributors? The psychological reaction is actually the same for all humans. Uh, it's it just depends on your mission, on your position in in on the boat. Are you the leader of this boat, or are you someone who is paddling? So so there are people paddling, and there are like people who are leading the boat at the time of crisis. Here, what the difference happens like when 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 a storm is coming, when when the crisis is happening, everybody would feel the cortisol, and they would uh, feel uh, like all the stress hormones in their body that's natural that's our natural ability to protect ourselves however when it when it when it's up to uh, uh when it's up to your position on the ship uh, if you are a team contributor it's it's vital for the survival of the of the ship that you are you're keeping collaborating with the ones who are paddling with you so you keep the balance as much as you can so uh, the if, if you're a team contributor it's a, it's about keeping doing what you're doing with the most relaxed way possible and paying attention to your peers mm. while at the same time if you look at the team leaders the ones who are leading the ship uh, the team leaders the ones who are leading the ship their position on the survival of the ship is to think strategically as to think how can i make this team and this ship overcome all the all of these circumstances what are the what are the fastest things that i can decisions that i can take at the moment that will keep the vitality of the ship of these people of this community and um one of the most important things uh, that Uh, leaders need to work with and that's that's what i that's what i when i share my experiences with with leaders uh that's that's the unique part that i work on with them it's it's the art of reframing 
because as a leader, you are not you, your mission is to take yourself out of the frame. Because if you think that you are a player in this game within with, with, with on, on, on the ship, uh, then you're thinking about yourself and then you trigger the cortisol again. And like it's about surviving or thriving. But when uh, the most important for, 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 for leaders is like, of course, we're humans, we get triggered and we, we need to get triggered. But what happens for leaders is like they need to reframe, reframe the situation. Yeah, a storm is coming. The ship is about to sink. No, maybe the storm is coming. The ship is maybe not so ready to go among the storm. The, the mission of the leader is to believe that there is a way. Sometimes they don't see the way. Hmm. So the mission of the leader is to believe that this ship is going to find its way through the storm and to be as present as possible and take fast decisions that will make the people who are paddling and taking care of the ship uh, do the missions that will make the ship go through the storm. Is there a guarantee that the ship will go through the storm? No, hmm. there will never be a guarantee. But what's important for the leader is to, to be the one who is really visualizing that the ship is going through the storm because that's their mission to build the strategy towards it and to believe in it and to be a role model to tell people calm down and to act from a place of calmness. So, so that's the difference between the team leader and 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 the team contributor at the times of crisis. The the challenge, and it's not only for leaders; it's for anyone, starting with myself. It is that we go and look for ways to get prepared when it's almost or already too late. Like we are already in the middle of the crisis. So go and and tell someone you should be able to reframe yourself when you are already in the middle of the crisis where the cortisol has already <laughs> skyrocketed. <clears throat> so the question is, how can we help already way before to practice this? Because you need practice for reframing. It's not something that you see a slide. Ah, I know how it works, like in the Matrix. Yeah. The movie. Uh, no, no, no. You need to practice before because otherwise it doesn't work, True. especially while you are full of emotions in, in autopilot, in the survival mode, it's already gone. So how can practically leaders start preparing themselves either through the practice of reframing or other practices that can help them navigate in crisis when before it's too late? Exactly. For leaders or for non-leaders, even if you're leading a group or not leading a group, at the end, you're leading yourself. And that's the most important shift that you should take care of while you're going through life. And uh, through my experience with post-traumatic stress disorder, which I had after the war, and where, where when I was walking in the streets and I would see blood and death all over, even though I was in, I was in safe, beautiful Stockholm. So sometimes the crisis happened even in our minds. And, and our role is how can I ground this person at this moment? There are so many grounding techniques that work uh, and help and, and help 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 us uh, to come to calmness. And these techniques, we need them all of us because sometimes you're, you're you're walking in the street and you see someone and you get triggered, 
and, and it takes you to somewhere where you feel not, not safe. Sometimes you like humans are very fragile and 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 we we have we associate experiences and colors and and smells and with so many things. So uh, what's important for every person for self-leadership is learning how to ground ourselves um, either through grounding techniques, for example, counting numbers, uh, naming colors around us. So we activate the other part of the brain that will that will calm us down or uh, work with uh, one very sub, uh, fundamental thing that I that, that I say, everybody is wise. Everybody has wisdom. Wisdom only appears when you take a step back. So do anything in your power to just take a step back. And when I work with leaders nowadays, I share with them one simple thing that I've learned from all this journey of like leading from, from wars to, to leading a company to uh, 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 from, from like leadership at times of crisis and at times of, of, of thriving is you are always safe as long as you can breathe. Think about it. You're always safe as long as you can breathe. If you stop breathing, then that's something else. Then you're then it's game over. You're done. <laughs> but as long as you can breathe, there is a way for you to start over. Life is not over. The game is not over until it's over. So so that's that's what I really really appreciate uh, it, when when people get it in and and start to practice it actually. As long because the breath is 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 your connection to life, and as long as you have your 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 practicing breathing, as long that you're breathing, you are safe. Imad, that <clears throat> something that happens very often that when <clears throat> I have this type of conversation with people, there is this association that <clears throat> because we need to be able to control our uh, our emotions or our perception of the world or the, the how we are going to react to the our perception of, of of the world that everybody is thinking no but i'm not ready to do yoga nobody's telling you to go and do yoga there is many ways to <laughs> wake up this the thinking part of your brain instead of being in the autopilot and you have mentioned very uh, very common practices of from breathing from counting colors anything that can make you wake up the part of your brain that is a little bit more rational and is going to tame the emotional beast in your uh, in your brain who is the one giving you either no choice or very little choice about how to react versus a, a, a versus a situation so for my friends out there leaders that that is it's not only about yoga yoga is a way and by the way it has never worked for for me but breathing exercises have worked for me right Imad, I want to get back to, to your personal story. And I, I want to open this parenthesis because I think it is quite important in order to understand the uh, the type of support that you give to leaders to build their resilience or to, or to help them become better in times of crisis. So from one side, we have the story of an engineer. You like numbers, you are like me. Good, Imad. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you like numbers. Uh, you went out of a war zone. You have built businesses from a, from a scratch. 
And for the people out there, building business is not an easy thing. You don't you don't become rich and and things come just <laughs> money comes to to your way. It is yeah. it is terrible. It is yeah. really terrible and and and, and tough. Um, what have all these experiences uh, taught you beyond what you learn from books or from education? What have you learned out of this total experience that help help you transmit uh, in a better way your wisdom? Hmm, it's a very good question. Um, what I really, really fundamentally believe in um that every human being no matter where you are no matter where you are on the financial uh ladder you can have on millions you can have nothing on you you can have the highest education and you can have no education at all hmm. these measures they never and i repeat they would never ever measure your ability to create value where I really believe at the very fundamental level. And that's what that was the key to my success. Even when I arrived to Sweden, I had no jacket on me. I was I was what standing cold in the central station until I, I, I arrived to the to the uh asylum seeking center where I found a pile of clothes that I uh, donated from people that I put picked a jacket and put it on me. Or to nowadays when I'm I really afford some really high class jackets to have on me. It doesn't matter. And I and, and through this journey, I did, it didn't go like this. I went like bloating and boom, bloating and boom, bloating and boom. So and then this is this is going to continue through life. And um, if I would sit and compare myself to the ones, for example, in Stockholm, to the to, to the um, entrepreneurs who went to the highest business. Uh, universities and i would sit and say how can i compete with them how can i uh how can i create something it's uh, i have no space there if i would tell myself that story i would have never built something but the fundamental thing that i believed in at that time that you have value the experiences the journey of your life through the journey of your life you have aggregated you have learned some things and you can empathize with people of this journey. As long as you can empathize with people, understand their life, and you have a value to give them, you can create value today. Mm. You can create a business, you can create a nonprofit, you can create a uh, you can create an initiative. Uh, the 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 art of life is a is the art of being at service. And when you are at service to any type of humans and you can create value for them, the wheel would turn and money would come. So for anybody out there, it doesn't matter where you are. I started my nonprofit when I was burnt out. I was half paralyzed when I started it. It was in 2019. It wasn't so long ago. Within one year, we reached the UN Global Innovation Award. And how could we reach that? Is that I understood my vulnerability at that time, but I understood the value that I could bring to a nonprofit, which is the tech experience that few nonprofits in the world have nowadays. 
Like, how can we scale something for people for free? And that got us the 17,000 people that we could we could help because we were we were acting with I was acting with an experience of my startup that when COVID got it got hit by COVID and it failed. It was super successful until COVID hit, like the the schools closed down and boom, we're out of customers. And I was burnt out and I was uh, really in, in, in not in a good place in life. But at the same time, even at that time, I believed I could create value and that worked. So from from, from a humble experience of, of, of starting over and over and over again through times of crisis or through times of prosperity, you as a human being, no matter who you are, you always can create value and give to the world. And by giving, life will give you back. I just want to, to add, like, because the sense of value and the sense of purpose are very close together. It's almost like one depends on the on the other. I, and, but I'm, I'm still questioning who generates, what is what generates, is either value first or is it purpose first? But anyways, that's that's not, not that important. What is important is that most of us have the challenge to identify our value. And we always correlate correlated with, uh, how do you say, society benchmark that our value is how many cars I have, how many Bentleys, how <laughs> much money I, I have, or how many beautiful Instagram pictures I, I have uh, I have posted. Um, but well, that's not value because, as you say, the 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 sense the value is what you give, and it's not about karma. It's not we are not talking about something. Mystic value is really something tangible. It is a feeling of this transaction of service that you are that you are giving. This satisfaction that what I have got, I'm transmitting to someone, and it gives you satisfaction. It gives you like a sense of self worthness. That I hope that this word exists in English. But anyways, uh, hope that everybody speaks really bad English. Uh, <clears throat> so it is not something mystic it is something that is quite tangible and it builds on our self-confidence and our self-efficacy that we start believing that we can do even more and that anything is possible and that allows us to stand up that when we are back on the floor with tears and maybe some mud in the face we can fucking stand up right that's uh that's that's the sad reality <laughs> Exactly. That's what we're designed for. Like mm -hmm. we're here to thrive. That's uh, that's what life is is it has designed us designed us for. Like we have all the strength and all the components to thrive. And like we we our time on this earth uh, or through this cycle or whatever you believe in is limited. Like from A to B, we we have a certain age. But during this arc of life, uh, at any moment you fall, at any moment you fall, you might lose a leg. I have friends who lost their legs. I have friends who have uh, who who lost like maybe I I was lucky I lost everything but my health. Hmm. Uh, I I I I was lucky I survived. Uh, others did not, but the the point here is life has designed us for 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 thriving and if you intend to create value, like. Like let's 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 put a scenario. Um, 
um, a war happened right now, like a third world war. That's that's a possible that's a, that's a possible scenario, right? Yeah. And we like you and I happen to survive, pass through it. We went. We we are now stranded on some um, on some let's mm, shore uh, North Africa, for example. Don't you think that with the experiences we had in life, we can create so many things for people starting from scratch? Hmm. That's right. And, 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 and that's it. Hmm. Like, if you have this fundamental belief that at any moment in life you can create value, that's it. You don't need anything anymore. Hmm. Um. <clears throat> In today's world, the concept of vulnerability has been talked like maybe five years ago, nobody was talking about being vulnerable because we <laughs> believe that back then the leadership model was working like awesome, carrot and stick. You do good, I give you more. You do bad, you're going to be punished. <laughs> a little bit like in Borat, a movie. You will be uh, gone. Uh, <clears throat> but thanks to COVID, Things have changed because corporations noticed that most of leadership uh, people were not equipped with the right type of skills to lead remotely, to be more empathetic with the situations, the specific situation of people. So they, they had to reconsider most of the companies, not all, unfortunately. Um, my question is, is there a contradiction when leaders are asked to be vulnerable and at the same time, time have the capacity to be strong especially in times of crisis is there a contradiction uh there's there's definitely no contradiction between strong and vulnerable because what makes what makes us vulnerable is what makes us human there's no the human the human life is the human experience is not designed on perfection and anybody who pretends to, to have perfection, uh, they are lying. Mm -hmm. No one is designed to do that. What happened in the past before uh, there was this model of the uh, stallion leader, uh, the horse that is unbeatable, and 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 that's that's like a um, that's a repercussion of the um, of the industrial revolution. But what happened through COVID is that it reminded us, all of us, that we are all vulnerable, not as a company, not as a country, but as species. We're very vulnerable. And it reminded us that through communicating vulnerability was the only way that we could that the planet could go through the crisis of COVID that when leadership started to talk vulnerability live on TV, political leaders, uh, like company leaders, uh, organizations leaders, they started to humble down and talk vulnerability because, and this is what made them approachable to people. Um, like when I talked about vulnerability, it, my, my, my TED talk was in 2017, like even before COVID. And coming from an oriental background where you're not supposed to show 
uh, weakness. But what I've learned is, okay, I'll bring you this example that everybody can relate to. When I arrived to Sweden, I arrived as a refugee. I was an engineer who speaks languages, and but I was a refugee. So what I tried to do, and look at the difference, what I tried to do at the beginning, before I dealt with my PTSD, I hided everything that happened with me, everything that happened in the war, everything that happened on the way. I ignored it. I said, I don't belong to that. I'm just uh, an expat who is ha living the happy life. And I went with that. And I excelled. Like I was, I'm going to build myself the life of the happy engineer here in this country. And I pressed down so much and it worked. I got there. But I got there. What happened is that I was almost acting on theater every day because I was trying to hide all these all these facts and just show that look, I'm engineer, I'm smart, I make money. But going through post-traumatic stress disorder, which forced me to go down deep to the origin of things, mm -hmm. down deep to the to the to, to the origin of, of, of trauma. And 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 the only way that I could get out of trauma is by empathizing with the characters. I still started empathizing with everything that happened with me until I could forgive the sniper who shot my closest friend. Because that was for the only way for me to get out of trauma and forgive. But after that, what comes is something is called post-traumatic growth. So after that, the difference, when I started my first company, Kidnovation, which is like to help kids with their with their with their with their, with their uh, emotional intelligence, and I wanted to take this experience to school. The first thing that I did when I met the ministers in Sweden, was like, "Hey, I'm a Syrian refugee." Before telling the engineer, before saying the entrepreneur, before saying anything, the first thing I put over there was the vulnerability, because when I believed and associated the vulnerability with a value, with the strength, when I associated the word refugee back in my head with resilience, refugee gives people resilience because he's been through some experience. And when I started practicing being vulnerable, that gave me a lot of strength that was seen by so many people and by leadership, and it pushed me up. So, so that's why I started talking about it. Like, if you are a leader, of course you have strength because, like, you wouldn't get into a position of leadership anywhere if you don't have strength. But if you want to be a true leader, you need to be to show vulnerability. And the reason why nowadays, post COVID life, post COVID life, you have Generation Z who have been exposed to COVID and exposed to um, the change in lifestyle. And if you look at the biggest trends nowadays, building a brand, which is being a leader, like if you have a bigger brand, it means you're a bigger leader. Building a brand nowadays, the studies show that building a brand is, does not depend on, a, on the best product anymore or the best process anymore. Building a brand 
it's about building community. And if you want to build the more, if you want to build community, you need to be relatable. You need to be vulnerable. You need to be human. So showing both strength and vulnerability at the same time makes you as a leader relatable, makes you approachable, and makes you seen as an authentic role model that you can build audience around you. They can build, you can build a, a community around you that really truly believe that, oh, I believe this person because they dare to share. I, I first of all, I have to say part one, I relate completely to your personal story. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's a similar path, but it, close in the in the time that it took me as I, I came to Switzerland as an economical refugee. Uh, and yes, for a long time, I wanted to associate myself. I wanted to, that they forget that I'm a Latino, that, that I, I live in one of the poor sites of, of, of Geneva. No, I wanted people to forget anything about me. Uh, but that has a price because it took me time to to recover and to, in fact, be a genuine person because I was so used to hide from where I was coming from, uh, exactly. my origins, any story in, uh, of the past. We we have a tendency when we come to live in a new environment to throw everything. Uh, and I don't think that that was a positive, the most clever thing that I did in my in my in my life. Imad, you, you mentioned Gen Z, and what I wanted to understand that in terms of the way to acquire, to develop uh, resilience, um, is there a, is it different to teach across generations, like Gen Z versus a baby boomer to teach resilience? Or even if we talk about genders, uh, is it the same to teach for a, to a male leadership, a leader versus a female leader? Should there be something specific or it can be taught in the same way? No, um, like resilience is, is something, is a trait in, of a human that is cross-gender and cross-generation. What differs though is the context. Mm -hmm. So uh, even across genders, uh, the context of being a woman leader in, uh, let's say, uh, Saudi Arabia or Egypt or uh, Venezuela would be completely different from being a woman leader uh, in Sweden or Switzerland, uh, which is uh, actually, uh, Switzerland is, is quite a conservative country. Yeah, exactly. You said it yeah. right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or like, or I don't know, uh, or in Canada. So... So if, if it's across gender or if it's across generation, um, these words, they, they are very generic to, um, uh, to understand the, the complex con context of uh, where the positioning of, of, of the person uh, on the chain where they are. So uh, what I would say is like uh, resilience, it's, it's, it's a word of faith at the beginning. Uh, resilience comes from definitely faith and, and only from faith. Like uh, it's all about the story you build in your head about yourself, about uh, the way you're being challenged. It's, it's about the vocabulary you use to 
describe who you are and, and to describe the context around you. Once you crack this story, and that's where, 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 why I work with storytelling all of the time with children as well. And now I do the same with brands. <laughs> it's, it's the same old thing. It's once you crack the vocabulary and you crack the story and your position over there, you are unstoppable. There's no way to stop a human being from creating more value and growth. It's, it's, it's always coming back to faith. Do I really, really believe in the victim's story? Because it's possible and it's very convenient. It's very, very convenient to be a victim. It's because you don't need to do anything about it. Like there's no energy you need to, to spend. It's just like sit there and just like enjoy the pain. Like it's a masochistic uh, kind of practice. But, and then you have the story of the hero who wants to change things. And why I'm mentioning the story of the hero because the story of the hero is fed by anger. Heroes are angry. Heroes, are they want to challenge the status quo. They want to change things because they've been challenged. They're angry. And that's fine for the beginning when you're for the beginning of resilience. But the actual, actual, actual resilience that you build after you, you, you went through episodes of being uh, from victim to hero, from victim to hero, is being the wise leader is when you are stoic around events happening around you and then you are when you're acting from a place of wisdom when you're acting from a place of calmness and when you when when your goal is not to become the hero of the story or the victim of the story when you're your your when your role over there is like how can we help enough number of people to thrive how can we give how can we how can we make like how can we make impact without playing much in the story because playing the hero as well is painful mm. so so the more the more you tap into your wisdom and that comes with practice the more you'll be able to navigate and and give a lot of value without identifying your worth with it that's the highest level of 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 leadership and wisdom. Uh, that's uh, that's something that every leader need to at least visualize and try to work towards because it's 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 reachable. I I want to to highlight <clears throat> because what you said that the word practice is so essential because. Um, the beliefs that we have about ourselves, like if you're a woman, oh, you're not good in math, or, or you shouldn't be marrying this type of people, or we, we have been normalized by society, our family, our friends, with a set of rules. Uh, and most of our brain stores these rules, and this become our beliefs that we are not capable of certain things. Um, but when you understand that, these rules have been made by repetition, constant repetition. You know that marketing. You can do the reverse. Yeah, you can do, in fact, write your own story. Like this is 
either repetition or storytelling and the emotional anchors that you can do while creating a, a new story about who you want to be, who you uh, you aim to be, and constant practice and repetition is what is going to make create an a new writing in your brain, uh, uh, neural pathways that are going to, by repetition are, are are created. So the story that Imad is mentioning is not like a, the beautiful story of that of something mystical. It's anchored in psychology on how the brain in fact perceives perceive the world it's, it is a simple thing so 90% of our brain is just set of emotions and rules that have been created by somebody else the the outside world but we have the capacity if we understand that we can also write our own story by consistency by repetition by continuous practice and that's what makes real change in in, in our lives right definitely definitely um, when people talk about changes, um, um, they, 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 they are a bit fooled by what is being said sometimes so much on the media nowadays or on social media. It's like especially by uh, so many gurus who have good intentions, uh, but um, they mislead people. It's like, you need to think positive. You need to uh, think about it and it will happen. Yes, but... Mm -hmm how life works exactly as you said life works with repetition is creating a pattern in the matrix it's creating a pattern and creating a pattern is like when you even when when you want to create a new reality for yourself is when you create the new story and the story that is connected with emotion, not just like, ah, I want Ferrari, Ferrari, Ferrari. Do you really need know what, what, what a Ferrari means? Mm. But when you, you when you think of yourself as a human creating value that can buy you a Ferrari or whatever, or, or, or anything, or uh, repeating the words and the vocabulary that confirms that you are capable of generating value that is appreciated by the environment around you and repeating that more over and over and over and over, that will change your reality. <clears throat> if any person nowadays like thinking, oh, I want the big house, big house, visualize the big house, it's all bullshit. Yeah. All bullshit because a big house is a thing it's neutral it has no emotion what creates pattern in our life is when you think of how can you generate enough value that life would exchange you that with enough what is measured by money or contacts or nowadays that you would own the house or you would maybe when you reach there you will see the house is nothing that it, you, you wouldn't even like look at the house as a thing of value so to simplify it again think of yourself generating a value something for someone it's not just like oh i can create mountains no you cannot create mountains no but if you want to, to learn how to generate a value, think of the people you met back in your story, in your life, because these are the people you can empathize with. These are the people you understood. 
and think, how can I make something that makes their life easier? That, that can reduce their pain or maximize their gain. Because then one, you have an audience, you have customers, potential customers. And second, you have a value that is very clear and measurable that you can create for them. And that's the art of business. You don't have to need, you don't have to have so much money. You don't have to have so much uh, contacts. You don't have to, have to, you have your story and your story is your power. And once you honor the story, once you honor what you've been going through, I got to where I am today by starting to think of refugee children that no one thought that like that would have a value. But being able to create value for them enabled me to go up further in the game. And then I'd be uh, then I was like, oh, if we could create value for them, we could create the same amount of value for kids at rich schools because they have the same needs, it's just different contexts. Boom, we have something new. And they're like, oh, I could do that for those kids. What about if I could do it for companies? Because companies, they also need to build like an empowering story and a brand. And one by one by one by one, things we're building up. And that's the game. How can you create value for people you already know? And that's it. <laughs> Imad, it's so important this story with value because sometimes we don't realize <clears throat> that Time is spent, like let's say for an awesome salary in a corporation where you feel like an idiot because you feel like you are not contributing to anything, uh, is what produces very often burnout. When you are working, you have a nice salary, but you are working for that salary. You are not working for the value that you could provide uh, to so somebody else. That's what in psychology, psychology you call a cognitive dissonance and is one of the key reasons for very often for burnout. If you spend the same amount of time on doing something that you really love, you're passionate about it, that you think that this is it. Even if I'm broke, I'm gonna do it. The 14 hours that you have spent do not count. The energy that you have the next day, it would be amazing when you wake up because you are overexcited to do something that is creating meaning because we human are craving for meaning, nothing else. It is not about the Ferrari. Uh, how many Ferraris do you have, Imad? I have zero Ferraris, and I think I will not. I will never buy a Ferrari in my life. Like I'm, I'm not attracted actually. Yeah. You will be taxed so much in in Sweden, by the way. So forget it. Exactly. <laughs> oh. Okay. I actually was thinking about it today. I was asked this this question by a friend. He was like, "Okay, you came back from Dubai right now. I went. I, I spent some time in Dubai. Did some nice gigs, and then I decided to come back because." I love my lifestyle here more. And then a friend like uh, actually asked today, we were having a, a walk and like, uh, said like, what about like a, a fast cars and a Lamborghini? And I thought about the Lamborghini. I actually would like to rent a Lamborghini for three hours. Mm. I would like to rent, rent a Lamborghini for mm. three hours, take it on an old airport where I can do all the tricks and the speeds and the moves and like crack all the nice emotions over there and then leave it and then I'm done. <laughs> That's over. Exactly, exactly. That's what I absolutely would do. The second thing that I wanted to mention is that um, yes, about the certain gurus that there is out there 
And you made me think specifically, specifically about the book, The Secret, which is one of the biggest <laughs> that I have ever read. I read it because people were trying to say, no, there is a lot of truth. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. you have just to Google The Secret and Scam to understand the bad advices that this book is giving to other people. People are being in danger with this, uh, this book. So not all the gurus, even regardless of that, they have movies behind and they are in Netflix, are good to be listened. That's that was my. You made me think about this this guy that the writer of uh, the secret. Imad, we are reaching the end of this episode, and I really thank you for not only for the science that you bring to the topic of of, of resilience and working. On our, uh, on our type of leadership during the times of crisis, but also for your personal story and for the purpose that you have behind everything you do. And that I am uh, outside of this episode. I know you enough to know that there is purpose in everything you do. Now, tell me one thing, how can people reach you out? Which website, LinkedIn or wherever? How can they reach you out in order to ask you questions more about to share a little bit more of your wisdom, simply, Imad. Thank you so much. You can follow me on social media. Uh, it's Imad El Abdallah uh, and or on LinkedIn. Or uh, you can reach out um, through my uh, like uh, through my business email. Um, uh, I have a venture studio where I help uh, companies to grow. And uh, it's called Magic Bean. And it's about growing things from 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 vulnerable to 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 big and it's uh, imad at magicbean.se for sweden and uh, please reach out if you have any question or you need help with anything and i'll be happy to be at service <laughs> thank you imad thank you very much for your time it was really nice that despite that it's a little bit late you had a little bit of time for uh the audience of the growth hacking culture podcast thank you Imad. Thank you. have a excellent day Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy your day.